This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Jets are, last I checked, a one-point dog in Vegas looking to save their season on the road against the Raiders. So who better to talk to about both of these games than the great Connor? Ty, what's going on, bro? How are we doing? Doing well. Uh, let's start with the Jets. So we'll work in reverse order of the games. Um Huge game. I, I guess I just want to ask you what your prediction is. Like, how do you see this game playing out? Just because, like, this team is just so Jekyll and Hyde. Some you know, beat the Eagles, almost lose to the Giants, get smacked by the Chargers. How do you see this game playing out tomorrow night? Right. You nailed it. Because when you look at the Jets for so long, you could sit there and argue that, you know, they play up and down to everyone, right? That was the easiest way to describe them. And and once in a while you get a team every season or so or, or every couple of years that is like that. And the Jets look to be that team this year because they beat the Eagles. You could really make the argument they could have beat the Chiefs if a couple different very small things, some of them out of their hands, went a different way. But they had a sweat against the Broncos. They lost to New England. And then it felt like that narrative started to really change, unfortunately, though, against the Chargers. I mean, they, they were just outplayed. I thought the defense played really well, but that was all you could say. You saw the special teams finally falter. The offense couldn't get anything going. So when you look at this Jets team right now, the biggest question they have to answer, and everyone knows this at this point, is can they simply be a mediocre offense? I'm not saying good. I'm not saying great. I'm really not saying average. I don't think they need to be an average offense. Can they be somewhat competent? I would say every other quarter of a game. I mean, that's really what you're looking at because they have a great defense. They have two shutdown corners, really three if you count Michael Carter's production in the slot. The pass rush is getting home. They have speed in the middle of the field and Quincy Williams. Besides that punt return they allowed against the Chargers, the special team's pretty much perfect this year. Uh, But the problem is the offense has literally let them lose their games, found ways to lose games. They had no business losing. Now, when you look at the Raiders, I know everybody's down right now on the Jets, and I understand it. It's hard until we actually see Zach Wilson and his offense improve, especially the offensive line, to have confidence. But the Raiders have a lot of problems themselves right now. They're going to be down their left tackle, and Colton Miller, he's a really good player in this league. So they're going to be playing some backup offensive linemen on an offensive line that already had question marks, and they lose their best player. That's where the Jets' pass rush can feast on against a day-three rookie quarterback in Aiden O'Connell that's done some nice things this season, but he's still a guy that's going to go through the ups and downs, make bad decisions, have his own struggles at times as well. So I look at this game as a game that the Jets can really focus on Brees Hall, ask him to take maybe 25 touches at this point of the season, try to keep things really simple and grind out this game because this is one of those ones where you think the defense can legitimately pitch a shutout against this Raiders offense, but it's a matter of how tired they get from the offense constantly putting them back on the field. I, I know this will surprise people, especially in what's almost a pick The Jets have no business losing this game on the road. Connor Rogers uh, joins us. How short is the leash going to be on Zach Wilson t- uh, tomorrow night? Because, as I mentioned, like, it's hard to, right now, look at a path for this team making the playoffs. Does that, that does not include them winning this game. Because then, of course, you've got Buffalo and Miami twice in the span of five days. The schedule is going to get tougher. you got the Texans coming up. All of a sudden, they look like they might be a playoff team. You know, the Commanders have been scoring some points on offense. The Falcons, we, we see what uh, what they've been able to do hanging in that race in the NFC South. Uh, is there a short leash on him tomorrow night? Like, can we get to halftime and they're starting to think to pull the plug or you just can't envision that happening? 
I mean, I wish I could tell you there is any kind of leash, but I'd be a fool if I actually believed that anymore. I mean, this is something we've brought up on postgame before, and it's not – once again, I think a lot of people take this conversation the wrong way. Saying Zach Wilson, Wilson should have a short leash or they should have uh, a backup that's ready to go is not putting all of the blame on Zach Wilson, right? This team has problems on the offensive line. They don't have a number two pass catcher. The play calling under Nathaniel Hackett has not been good. There's no flow of the game, the red zone. There's no creativity. All those things could be true, and at the same time in a vacuum, you can evaluate that Zach Wilson has significantly struggled in his third year now as a starter. And when it comes down to it, there are going to be games, there are going to be first halves that we've seen, and we've seen plenty of them already this year. We've seen plenty of them during the Zach Wilson era that you know in the first half they got nothing working. They got nothing going, and the problem is when they do have their few opportunities that guys are open they have to be perfect, and he still misses throws. He's still holding on to the ball, and he's still fumbling, and he's not taking advantage of his athleticism as a runner at all. Those are the kind of games where if your defense is almost pitching a shutout that you might look to see what a backup can do in the second half if he provides any kind of spark for the team, and it doesn't mean Zach Wilson lost his job. This is the ebbs and flows in the NFL. This happens every single season for a couple different teams. I mean, let's not forget the Dolphins used to do this with – Tua, when he was a young player, with Ryan Fitzpatrick coming into the games to help yeah. him where his head was spinning. The Jets <laughs> I have had, that. Uh, yeah, oh, and it worked a lot. So <laughs> the Jets have had no commitment or even thought of that, and it's so mind-boggling in this league. They have no interest in playing Tim Boyle. They've shown that hand for a very, very long time. Is Trevor Simeon going to be activated? Is he going to be ready? It, it blows my mind. I, you heard Robert Sala's. I don't want to say frustration, but. For Robert Sala to not be able to answer a question, uh, and it was on your radio station, for him to not be able to answer a question, I mean, this is a guy that always seems to have the perfect answer all of the time. It's very, very puzzling, and I guarantee there are people in that locker room that are going into halftime at times wondering the same exact thing. I was just going to ask you, uh, because we did hear Sala on the K-Show plead the fifth when asked. I've Mm -hmm. never heard a coach plead the fifth in general, especially on his quarterback. Doesn't sound like what you want. yeah. It doesn't sound like the the vote of confidence a guy needs. Uh, do you think that there? Because he because he the next day tried to shoot it down. He was asked and he said, "Yeah, there's no conspiracy theory," but he never said that um, there was no mandate because he was asked like, "Is there a mandate?" And he said, "We're all on the same page." That doesn't mean that um, you're not being mandated to to play Zach Wilson. Do you think there's something else going on here? Because Robert does not sound like a guy who thinks that Zach gives them the best chance to win. I look at it like this, Ty. Robert Sala is a really smart dude. You know, whatever you think of him as an NFL coach and his game decisions or whatever it may be, and I think still, as much as people are really down on him right now, if you told somebody before the season that Aaron Rodgers was going to get hurt on the fourth play of the Jets' offensive series and they're still 4-4, four and four, it's not the worst place in the world to be right now. He's a really smart guy, and I think he understands people more so than anything. That's his best skill. It's how he's held this locker room together through some hard times. Robert Sala has awareness. He understands what is anchoring this team. He understood what was anchoring this team after last season. That's why they went out and courted Aaron Rodgers and, and everything like that happened. Now, for whatever reason, them – inserting Zach, you didn't have to get rid of Zach Wilson. Nobody's saying that, but automatically gifting him the number two job when you have a near 40-year-old quarterback coming into the season that is probably going to miss time at some point. Most quarterbacks in this era seem to get banged up. It's just a matter of how significant the injuries can be. And, of course, unfortunately, the Jets dealt with one of the worst kind of injuries. It's just it's odd to me that feels like something where maybe the front office was hoping a guy they invested the number two pick in 
uh, could still find himself. Maybe ownership thought he could still find himself. Maybe Salah signed off on that plan. Uh, there's just so much odd. It, you built a team to win now, right? You have a great pass rush. You have all these first-round picks littered on this defense. Uh, you have superstar playmakers in Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. You built this team to win now. And it felt like always a two-year window to me, this year and next year, when you look at the structure of the team. And you're telling me that you're going into the season. I'm not saying you had to predict Aaron Rodgers would tear his Achilles, but what if he sprained an ankle? What if he banged his thumb again like he did last year? What if he got a concussion? What if you needed somebody to keep you afloat for two, three, four games throughout the season? That the guy that kind of sunk your ship last year was going to be inserted into that spot with no competition? I just find that really, really odd, and I find it really strange that uh, you know that they went forward with this, and it seems like we're missing some kind of piece here. And, and that answer or non-answer on the Michael K. show to me was a giveaway. I'm not accusing Robert Sala of anything, but I, I think that spoke for itself, in my opinion. Uh, Connor Rogers joins us. Let's move to the Giants. Do they win another game the rest of the season? I think they do. I, I know so many people are looking at this situation right now and, and kind of inserting them to the number one pick in mock drafts or, or com- really more conversations. And I think here's what it comes down to for the Giants right now for me that I, I have the questions of. Listen, they're gonna, they, you would think they'd get smoked by the Cowboys this week with Tommy DeVito playing and all the problems they have. But they still have some weak matchups on the schedule that you look at it and go, if Tyrod Taylor comes off of injured reserve and he's inserted back into this team, a player that almost beat the Bills, and they really should have beat the Bills, if Tyrod Taylor comes back to play, you're telling me they can't beat a Green Bay team or what's left of the Rams at the, that point of the season? The Commanders who they on November. Yeah, the Commanders like, who they They always own. play the Commanders well. They always play the Commanders well. What if the Eagles are resting everybody January 7th? But I just wonder the regular season. I wonder this, like if if that's the like I understand he's going to be able to come back. But if you're the giant organization, why would you bring him back? You don't want to win games. You want to you want to no, get the don't. best quarterback. Because that's the only right to now. me that's the only way. Yeah. Like, this has been a nightmare season, and a lot of people came into it thinking they could look better, but take a step back just because quality of competition. No, it's been a nightmare. Everyone's hurt. The quarterback's done for the season. We're questioning Brian Dable, and you know a lot of what he's been able to do on the sidelines. Uh, but the only way that this gets worse is if you start now winning football games and you take yourself out of right. the sweepstakes for the best quarterbacks available. So I just don't, I don't understand why you would put Tyrod in there uh, the rest of the season. You're right, but you're right. And the only recent example I could think of with this is when Jacksonville, the year they got Trevor Lawrence, they played Mike Lennon over Gardner Minshew and everybody in the world. It's amazing. Nobody talks about this and nobody really talks about it at the time enough, maybe because it's Jacksonville. I mean, Gardner Minshew was 50 times the quarterback that Mike Lennon was at that point. Everybody knew what they were doing. And the only thing I could say is, though, I've seen this go the other way way too many times. I witnessed it the season the Jets ended up with a number two pick with oh, Zach Wilson. Yep. I remember it when the, the Texans won. And, it, listen, it worked out amazing for the Texans now in hindsight. But the Texans won the last game of the season last year on a couple miracles. You can't. Yes, you can control the quarterback situation. And if they play Tommy DeVito over Tyrod Taylor – my goodness, that is the biggest giveaway you could possibly give. But you can't control a 53-man roster of guys fighting for their future contracts and their jobs, and Saquon Barkley's still out on the field, and Brian Dable still needs to coach. So I think they win another game, Ty, and you just have to wonder, is that too far for Caleb Williams or Drake May? That's something ultimately we'll find out. 
Uh, so let me ask you as we go around the NFL slate. Uh, tomorrow, it's a juicy matchup, man. San Francisco, Jacksonville, both coming off buys. Uh, the Niners starting to get a little bit healthier. Uh, there is no chance they go on a four-game losing streak, right? I, I This was one of my favorite picks of the week, so I say no way. But now they're such a Jekyll and Hyde team year after year, and when they're hot, they're sizzling. I. When this opened up at two and a half points, I, I really like the Niners to win by a field goal. I know Shanahan's three and three out of the bye weeks, so that doesn't really give you much. But so, I feel like some of those are probably with like Nick Mullins or totally different era as well. Uh, I think when it comes down to it, none of that matters. What matters is Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are back. And when the Niners have Debo Samuel to line up out there, it makes Brandon Ayuk so much better. It makes Christian McCaffrey so much better. It makes Brock Purdy 50 times better. Brock Purdy with that offense, was an MVP candidate. Brock Purdy, with those guys hurt, mm-hmm. looked like a guy that we were wondering, is he going to be a starter in this league? Could he be year? benched that, for Sam Darnold? <laughs> Literally, that's how much the conversation changed. So I love the Niners tomorrow. I, I believe in the coaching off the bye, and I believe in the health of the team. But it would be a big win for Jacksonville because now they're on a six-game win streak, and we went from talking about you know this is a one and two team, they're not living up to expectations. To that one seed could still be within striking distance, and the schedule gets a little bit easier. Obviously, they'll play the Bengals and, and Browns coming up, and the Ravens. That's a tough three-game stretch, but that would be a massive win for Jacksonville. It would be because look at Jacksonville, right, Ty? I mean, they are the team that look at all the other divisions. The, the Bills are often the favorite in the AFC East. Well, they have to deal with the Dolphins, and they've lost their last two to the Jets. And they don't play well against New England. So AFC East eats each other alive. The NFC North is the pinnacle of that example with the Steelers, Browns, Ravens, and Bengals. I mean, it's utterly ridiculous what those teams do to each other. And then you still have the Chiefs dealing with the Chargers, and then the Raiders and the Broncos aren't very good, but – they're pesky with those teams in the division, as we've seen before. I don't ever feel that way about the South. I mean, the Texans are on the right trajectory thanks to C.J. Stroud, but they're still trying to get that roster right. The Colts lost Anthony Richardson, and they've been fighting with Gardner Minshew. And the Titans, you know, I've gotten a spark from Will Levis, but it's still a bad team right now compared to all of the other divisions. So Jacksonville, this would be a statement win that absolutely puts them in the driver's seat for the best conference in football. Is the best team in the AFC playing this weekend, or is that team on a bye? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think they are because I think the best team uh, in the AFC right now is the Baltimore Ravens. I, I really do. I think that when you look at what they've done these last couple weeks, it is notably the Lions game yeah. and the Seahawks games. Those are the two where I looked at them, and they got a great front seven, and they play as a team. Mike McDonald's the future hood coach in this league. He's their D.C. right now. They can cover – they can win in a variety of different ways on offense. They can power on the ball with Gus Edwards. When, and you'll see it with Lamar. Everybody's complaining because Lamar hasn't been a fantasy stalwart this year. Now that the schedule is going to get really, really hard over this next month, Lamar will pull the rabbit out of the hat and make all these unbelievable plays with his legs and with his arm. Uh, the Ravens, they could, they could beat you every single kind of way. And when you are a team that plays like that, that travels in the playoffs and it matters in big-time games. Uh, I think the Ravens – that. They launched as like a Super Bowl odds for them were plus 1,300 when we kicked off, and it trickled all the way down to plus 800. So the public is slowly catching on that the Ravens might be the best team in football. Yeah, and that schedule is going to get tough, man. After this week, they've got the Bengals, Chargers, Rams, Jags, Niners, Dolphins, and then they end the season with the Steelers. I want to end— We'll find out. Yeah, I, I want to end— but I think I heard— um, I think I heard Bill Simmons talking about on his podcast, you can get— 
the Ravens uh, to get the one seed at like plus 300, which might not be a bad bet if you are into the gambling. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this because Monday night I think is fascinating. Like the Bills on, on paper should blow out the Broncos, the number seven. Denver, I, I, they come in, they're coming off that win against Kansas City. They're not a good team. But I don't know why this game feels like like even if Buffalo wins, it's gonna be one they sweat out just because like their their offense obviously hasn't been what we expected it to be, and their defense they're dealing with some injuries with Milano and White. This is a huge game for Buffalo. I don't think they're gonna lose it, but could you imagine they lost this game? All, like on the table could be them missing the playoffs. One hundred percent. And if they lose this game, that's where the conversation goes. And. The problem for the Bills is, right, they suffer that soul-crushing defeat to the Jets week one, Mm -hmm. and then they completely rip apart the Raiders, Commanders, okay, who cares? But then they do to the Dolphins, and everybody looks at that and goes, okay, the Bills are the Bills. They deal with a lot of different injuries on defense, and they've literally been a roller coaster team since then. They lose to Jacksonville. They should have lost to the Giants. They held on. They lose in embarrassing fashion in New England. They barely beat the Bucs. They had no control in the Cincinnati game and lose that game. The Bills are a team that they're swimming upstream right now with all these injuries, and they haven't figured out really how to make up for them yet. And you're kind of looking at the hourglass emptying out of, okay, are they just not figuring out how to supplement from these injuries, or is that day going to come? And it puts a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. But even when the offense plays well, they're, just, they're so ravaged on defense that it's been a huge problem for them. So you're, you're right, Ty. It's really a no-win spot because if they beat the Broncos, you go, well, duh, they – they better beat the Broncos or else they're in trouble. We're not going to find out anything. But if they lose to the Broncos, you start to wonder if the Bills are genuinely out of the playoff picture in the AFC. And that's, it's crazy to me when you talk about that team. It's a Super Bowl favorite year after year. But they, they need to find – they need to press the right buttons of this depth that's filling in for key guys gone because Matt Milano and Trey White, they're not coming back this season, right? I mean, that, that's the thing for them is they're not trying to keep their head above water until the reinforcements arrive. This is who the Bills are going forward. Yeah, and when I hear that they had yet another players-only meeting, it just reeks to me of a team that is dealing with some maturity issues. And, and they haven't been – like if this were, were, were Cincinnati, who's been to a Super Bowl, or like the Chiefs, who have become the gold standard, or the Eagles, then you can lean on, all right, championship pedigree, leaders in the locker room, they know what they're doing. The furthest they've been – is what, a couple years ago when they were in the AFC Championship game and lost to the Chiefs. So uh, there's a lot of pressure. This window, because of their salary cap situation, seems to be closing. Uh, that Diggs story is not going away. You know, McDermott's going to get a lot of heat if they flame out in the playoffs. So there's a lot happening in Buffalo. And then, of course, schedule's getting tougher. Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers is uh, the next four games after the Jets. So I'm just fascinated to see what happens with this Buffalo team, man. I'm just really fascinated. And they extended everyone there. They just extended the coach and the GM. And, and to your point about them being in that conference championship thriller against the Chiefs, there were two different coordinators at the time for that team. So that Bills team, it feels, we feel very far away from the Bills being that team. Yeah, Leslie Frazier stepped down before the season. McDermott's calling plays, so I mean, just a lot happening. It's going to be fun to watch uh, uh, to see you know what they what they can do and if they can ultimately get over that hump. But always great talking to you, man. It's a fun time. Check him out. He's on Twitter at Connor J Rogers, and you know he does an excellent job for SNY. I'm looking forward to watching you, my man, on the pregame show tomorrow. You Willie Bar and and crew. So it's going to be a fun time, man. Hopefully the Jets can go out there and get a W. Thank you, Ty. I appreciate you, man. Talk soon. Talk soon, man. 800-919-3776. We will regroup. 
went long there with Connor, but he's he's so fun to talk to with football. And it feels good because usually around this time we're, we're doing like draft, you know, mock drafts and, and, and all that. But the Jets being 4-4, four and four, still with a lot to play for tomorrow night. So it's fun to get him on the program. 800-919-3776. We'll take a break. Get back to your calls right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Right? Like, the only way this season can go from being what it is now to even worse, it's hard to imagine it can get worse than this, but it would be if you now start winning games when you are in position to draft your replacement for Daniel Jones. He's going to miss the rest of the season. You know he's not going to be your future quarterback. It's just too much is working against him, injuries and He's had this instability with the head coaches. I, I I feel like he could have been a better quarterback. I don't know if he was ever going to be great, but just all of all the things working against him that he couldn't control won the battle. So now you're going to look at the, the next batch of uh, quarterbacks coming out of college, and you could be in position to draft one of those guys. You have to lose games, though. Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, like Shador and, you know, Penix Jr. Like these are the guys who you could have your pick or litter of. It, it just is predicated on you losing football games. Right now the Giants will have the third pick in the draft. Of the top 10, you got one team, Tennessee, drafting at 10 that's not going to be looking for a quarterback. So you need to lose these games. But, I mean, it's the thrill of, of handing the Cowboys what would be a season-altering loss. Look, it's not going to happen. But just as far as what you're rooting for, they're 17.5-point favorites coming off of a loss that should have them, you know, ticked off. Losing that Eagles game the way that they did, and they were gifted that game, just couldn't take it. I mean, Dak stepping out of bounds on a two-point conversion, a Ferguson having his knee down before getting into the end zone, them getting all these plays and uh, from the seven-yard line and not being able to capitalize. Like, that was a game you had. So the expectation should be they're going to blow the Giants out of the water tomorrow. But if you're a Giants fan, like, isn't part of you rooting for the upset just to see what it does to Dallas? Because if the Dallas Cowboys lose what is right now an unlosable game, you can. I don't care what happens the rest of the regular season. You can't take them seriously. That is an unserious football team. If they lose to the Giants tomorrow, it's not going to happen. But I just wonder where the Giant fan is. Is how you know as far as like how they're looking at this game. Let's go to Brian in Virginia. What's up, Brian? Hey, Brian. How's it going? Wondering what pretty pretty good. I was wondering what you think. You know about the score tomorrow. I mean, kind of. You know, with Dallas. You know, coming in the first game and it being, you know, the Giants at full, you know, full-scale attack, you know, they had everything at the first and, you know, it was 40 to nothing. Yeah. I think the pressure's on Dallas. No, all the pressure's on Dallas. Yeah, all the pressure's on Dallas. Yeah, and also, you know, for them to, you know, for the score to be higher than what it was, you know, 40 to nothing, it. You know, the expectations should be even more. No, see, I don't think that that matters, and I appreciate the call. For the Cowboys, it's just about rebounding from what was a devastating loss last week, a game that you absolutely should have and could have won and could have changed, like, the 
direction of the season, just as far as like getting the one seed winning this division, that I don't want to go too far, but it's unlikely that the Cowboys are going to win the NFC East now. Like it's still possible. The Eagles have a tough schedule coming up, but it's very unlikely. So I think now it's just about, I don't want to say writing the ship because they, they had been playing well after the Niners lost. They, they smoked the Rams. Prior to that, they had beaten the Chargers. It's about trying to rebound from what was an emotional loss. You hear some of the players on that team talk about they feel better about themselves, which I didn't love. Like you feel better about yourself at a loss. Like we know you can hang with the Eagles. The Eagles aren't unbeatable. You should be able to beat this team. So I don't get the, yo, yeah, we feel like we can beat them. We knew that coming into the game. So now you're you're taking solace in the fact that you didn't get blown out. I don't love that as a team that, you know, is fashioning itself as one that could win a championship. But tomorrow is just about them taking care of business, beating the Giants and beating the, the Panthers, beating the Commanders before the schedule gets tougher with the Seahawks, the Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Lions. That's a five-game stretch starting on November 30th that runs them through December 30th. So a month of games where you've got the Seahawks at home, Eagles at home, before you go to Buffalo and Miami, and then you return home to play Detroit. So these next three games for the Cowboys, are just you know, beat them, doesn't matter the score, just take care of business. Ira's in Staten Island. What's up, Ira? Hey, good afternoon, TV. And uh, I tell you, you know, you look at this Jets season, and you, we all know the magnitude of tomorrow night's game, but they, they, they blew a great opportunity against the Chargers. Yeah. But when, when you when you really want to look at the reality of this whole thing, is that Joe Douglas got to take a hit. They they put together this really good defense. They had no backup play, like Connor was saying, no backup plan for Rodgers. The offensive line, before people were starting to get hurt, was questionable at best. And on paper, it looked like they did a really good job with the skill position players. But let's face it, the tight ends and the number two receiver spot, and you could even say the slot receiver, they've been non-factors in most of these games. I mean, Ira, just look at all, like, we saw how bad the offense was last year. Now look at the difference makers they were supposed to have. That like Rogers, he goes down, right? So Miko Hartman, he was a non-factor. Then got traded. Cobb and Lazard have been awful. Now you couldn't anticipate Corey Davis was going to retire, but like, all the moves that they made to improve this offense, like we're seeing no returns on that. Well, and and you know, once again, I, it goes back to recruiting Rogers, and and you know my stand where I was there. And, listen, he came in here, did all the right things. And they still have a very good window with him next year. But I think that might be it. I mean, he's going to be 41 years coming off an Achilles. And every move they've made to, 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 to give him the players that he wanted, they've all, they, they haven't panned out. So when you look at the whole big picture, maybe they would have been better off going with a Derek Carr, even though he's no, having a so-so year. No, he's having a, yeah. no, in a bad he's division, too. a good year. And then he's like screaming it, at what? coaches and going at players. Nah, man, that that was well, not the move. Well, well, guess what? Next year we'll be talking about drafting a quarterback because I, I listen. They'll they'll be contenders next year if they do the right thing with the offensive line. But if they don't win it and Rodgers calls a quit, where where, where are I they? I don't think that's going to happen though, Ira. I, I don't think that he sounds like a guy who is like going to attack this with the mindset of he wants to play multiple. Because remember, he said he wanted to play multiple years, and I and this one obviously is going to be a wash. 
But the point you brought up about not having a backup plan, that's what killed him. How, how is it that we watch Zach Wilson, you know, assert himself as the worst quarterback, quarterback in football last year? You come into the season and he's one play away from being the quarterback. And, and that was your plan. Like it made no sense. No, that was a monumental mistake. And, and you know what? Even if the offensive line is patched together for the rest of the year, somehow they figure out a way to get this thing going, they made a colossal mistake by not just moving on from Zach Wilson and keeping Mike White. Mike White, if this team had some type of protection, would operate this offense, even as bad as heck it is, a lot better than, than I mean, Zach Wilson basically, he, he looks like a third-string quarterback out he there. He looks awful. I mean, he's had... I mean, he has his he's had his moments, but he he's playing worse now than he is looking. And that's the thing that frustrates you, like the moments, like the Kansas City game. It's all it's just all like a mirage. It's all it's fraudulent because he'll so he'll show you flashes like the end of the Giants game, like the totality of the you know Chiefs game. Like he'll have moments, and then there are other times where you're like, wait. Third and seven, you you escape the pocket. There's a first down to be had, and you toss it to a running back who gets gang tackled. Like there's certain things that he does that really calls into question his IQ, his intel. Like it's just it's just mystifying to me. Well, what's even crazier is if you look at the first handful of games this year, he wasn't backpedaling and, and, and taking these fifteen and seventeen yard sacks like he has been the last couple of weeks, and he's reverting back to that old habit. And it's just, I just can't believe the organization has stuck with this guy. It's, you know, someday the truth will come out of why they did it. Yeah. But right now, it's, to me, it's mind-numbing how they had him penciled in with no competition as the number two quarterback. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, it, it, it is wasting, you've wasted away two special years by our defense. And I appreciate the, Ira, are you in Vegas? I don't know if you said that, but I missed it. Are you in Vegas for this game? No, this trip I didn't make. I was out at Denver, and you know I plan to be up in Buffalo, God willing, next week. Okay. It just, uh, it, I just, I don't know. Just Vegas wasn't appealing to me. It just, I don't know. Just some. I to me, it was more about the glitz than the game, and that's why I kind of stayed away. I from feel it. you. I, I feel you. I appreciate the call, Ira. Big game tomorrow. Big game tomorrow. Uh, here was Robert Sala, uh, that exchange on the K Show when Michael was asking him why not give Simeon a shot. You've got Trevor Simeon in your building. Why Why not give him a try? Fair question. You know, it's uh, like I said, he, he, I don't know. You got me. I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth on all this one in terms of just, I kind of explained it, you know, yeah. respectfully, obviously, but, mm-hmm. but it's a, va- they're valid questions, but, and I know, and I know from a passionate fan, from fans who are passionate, all having the same questions, I respect it greatly, you know, but it's, I've got to look at it from a global standpoint and just see where we are and, and look at the all 22 the best I can and, and make the decisions best as possible. So. Yeah, does that sound like a guy who thinks Zach Wilson is the best option at quarterback? And and what is he talking about a global standpoint? Like, what does that even mean? I want to play back again the start of him answering the question where he's flummoxed. Like, and, and Robert is usually really good with the media. He's really good at answering questions. He makes you feel like empowered. But he just... You've got Trevor Simeon in your building. Why, why not give him a try? Fair question. You know, it's uh, like I said, he... he I don't know. You got me. I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth on all this one like in terms of just. Hear where he gets to the point where he's just like, "Yep, I've got nothing." <laughs> he's like, "Yep, I'm just going to fall to the ground, fall, you know, face first, and you got me. I'll plead the fifth, which I've never heard a, heard a head coach do." 
But the moment where he realizes, like, there's actually no answer, you heard, you heard it in that cut. And they're going to run him out there again tomorrow and just hope for, for the best. And we'll see how it plays out. Last time he was on Sunday Night Football, wasn't bad. Almost beat the Chiefs, but again, in that game, big moment, he fumbles it. He he can't put together a full fourth quarter performance that will lead you to believe, all right, the Jets have something here. It's just not going to happen. Three years of evidence, it's just never going to happen. Ted's in Hewlett. What's up, Ted? Hey, Ted, what's going on? Hey, first of all, I got to tell you, I love your show. Thank you, man. I'm in bumper-to-bumper traffic on the LIE going to UFC tonight at Madison Square Garden. Oh, And nice. the time is flying. No, listen, your coverage is just great. If you're a football fan, your coverage is just great. Thank so, you, man. Um, I want to talk about Wait, the Wait, hold up. I, I pre- real- hold on, Ted. So who, you going to, to the Garden for this UFC event tonight. Who, who you got winning these matches? Yes. Oh, you know what I do? I go and I watch them when they walk walk up, when they're walking in. And they're 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 just before they fight. I see how they look. I see how they match up against each other, and that's when I pick them. I, I don't do it in advance. I lose when I pick them in advance. When I watch them, I get a vibe, and then I jump on it. I feel you. It sounds crazy, but it works for me. <laughs> well, whatever floats your boat, my G. <laughs> All right. All right. So look, I want to talk about the Jets, but real quick on the Giants. I, I got to be honest with you, because I'm a Jets fan, I know I know I can say this. Cowboys are going to blow them out tomorrow night. All right, you're talking about one of the best teams against one of the worst teams. Yeah. Wishful thinking if you're Giants fan. Mark my words, you're going to remember I said it. But let's let's talk about the Jets real quick. Here's the part that bothers me. Everybody's against Zach Wilson. I went to the first game of the season. It was like a Super Bowl atmosphere. Aaron Rodgers goes down. Jets win the game with with Zach Wilson against a very good Bills team. And I and I said that at the time, and it was impressive. My issue is. He's set up for failure. The, off, the offensive line stinks, and the OC won't let him throw the ball to start the game. Gave him no confidence at all. We always start off behind. We always start off running the ball up the middle, three and out. We get behind seven, 14 points. And then you say, okay, we have nothing to lose. So they say, Zach, go do your thing. And what happens, it doesn't always work, but sometimes it does. And, and the fact of the matter is they set him up. You know, you can be the best quarterback in football. If you have a lousy OC and you have no time to throw the ball and you're getting sacked every other play, you're going to look lousy no matter who you are. But why not? If he's going to be your quarterback, he's going to be in there. Let him play. Let him throw the ball. What do you have to lose? Because, and I, I just last point about that. Do you know why the Jets beat the Giants? Because the Giants played not to lose at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And I said, oh, my Jets have a chance now. And look at what happened. They ran the ball up the middle and gave the Jets a chance to win the game. And this is the way the Jets' offensive coordinator is coaching so, the offense So here's the thing, Ted. Okay. I, I hear, I hear you. Ahead. I hear you. If you go back to the first drive of that Chargers game, after the Jets' defense forces a three and out, and you know they're humming, it's exciting, offense gets on the field. First play of the game, Brees Hall runs up the middle for four yards. They're now in a second and sixth situation. Zach Wilson lines up. Uzoma cuts out and is now in the flat for a clear first down, and he just airmails him. So to me, like, yeah. yes, you can blame the offensive coordinator all you want, but we've never seen Zach under any offensive coordinator, with any offense, behind any line, with any re- receiving duo or trio or whatever the case may be, the weapons he has at his disposal. We've never seen him look good. 
Never. It's never happened. You're right. So, but this is what you have. This is who you decided to play. So if you want to try and win with him, you're not going to do it if you do what the Giants did in the fourth quarter against the Jets and run the ball up the middle. The only way you're going to win the games, you can't hope that your defense, like in the first game of the season, has three interceptions. Yes. And we, and we have a run back for a touchdown. But he has to make plays. He has to make plays, Ted. Right, and, uh, I agree. Third and seven, he escapes the pocket, gets past the rush that came in on him, has a clear first down, and he just runs for it and, and just flicks it over to the running back. I don't even know if I don't remember right. if it was Brees Hall or, or or Dalvin Cook at that moment, but like these are just mind-boggling decisions that a quarterback in year three who was drafted number two overall should not be making. Like those are mistakes that he cannot make at this stage in his career. You're right. So let me just throw out one more quick thought, which is when you're a young man trying to prove yourself, if the coaching staff doesn't have confidence in you. In that important a position, it's almost impossible to succeed. And from the beginning of the season, they said, we don't have confidence in you. We don't want you to throw the ball. He's playing scared right now, and it's too bad. That's on Zach that he's playing scared, but I also fault the O.C., that he plays scared. And I also fault the fact that they have no offensive line. No, there's a lot. I've got to be honest with you, you're, you're very convincing. Thank I you. I agree with you now. Th- thank right? you. <laughs> you changed my mind. Yo, enjoy it. Right? I'm being honest, man. <laughs> enjoy the UFC match, man. Enjoy the UFC match. Hopefully that Thanks. traffic really uh, appreciate it. dissipates. Thanks. Appreciate you, man. It, 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 there's a lot of blame to go around. Zach Wilson is not an NFL quarterback. We know that. The offensive line is dreadful. Billy Turner, what the hell was that last week? Nathaniel Hackett, it's hard to now, after watching you in back-to-back seasons, have one of the worst offenses in football with Denver last year where Russ cooked, and this year with Zach Wilson. It's hard for us to have that as the sample size in two different uh, places and not fault you for what's going on. So there, there's a lot. Like the drop passes, those are on the players. Everyone's got blame to be doled out in their direction. You did not watch the Jet offense last week and say, you know, this particular player or this unit or this group or this person should be absolved of criticism. Even Garrett Wilson had a big drop and a fumble. Even Brees Hall had a fumble that he eventually recovered. Lazard has just been a disaster all season long. The tight ends can't block. They can't catch. And then Zach Wilson, he's running for his life. But he's also putting himself in bad situations where if you can just complete a short pass, you cannot be an historically bad third down team. Terrible in the red zone. I mean, how many penalties? Well, how many times are you going to see the Jets get into the red zone? Here's a false start. Here's a sack. Here's another sack. Now you're out of field goal range. It's a complete mess. It's a complete mess. And then to embarrass yourself like that on national TV, terrible for your brand. 800-919-3776. We'll take a break, come back, hit your phone calls, and we'll return right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, the Giants tomorrow are in Dallas to take on the Cowboys, and the rest of the season just is about you know, losing games, it's tough because you came into it with high expectations. And then once Daniel Jones returned last week, you were excited to see him in the face of all of the criticism and adversity, in the face of 
his team possibly moving on from him, stave it off and say, nah, y'all ain't going to be able to do that because I'm going to play as well as I can. I'm going to be great with these weapons and improved offensive line, and we're going to win too many games for you guys to draft my replacement. But unfortunately, that did not happen. said he injured his knee on the, the play at the end of the first quarter, tried to, you know, gut it out, comes back, and then he falls on the ground. And we knew at that moment it was a significant injury, and this pretty much is going to close the chapter in his giant career. I still think next year he will be part of the organization and help usher in that new quarterback. But as far as his long-term future is concerned, it's not with his team. 800-919-3776. Let's go to East Windsor, and we chat with Mitch. Uh, what's good, Mitch? Hey, what's, what's popping, Tanya? Thanks for taking a call. Good show. Thank you, man. Glad you are. Hey, first of all, with uh, Zach Wilson, the quarterback, a good, cook, a good quarterback, a great quarterback, makes his teammates better. Seems like it's the other way around. That's not the way it should go. With Zach? That's just my theory. Yeah, no, nah, he's. He well, but we know he's not a great quarterback. We know he's not a good quarterback. We'll take a we'll take a sub-sub quarterback. That'd be an improvement. Yeah, I mean, um, like Giants. Yeah, anyone yeah. average with with this defense would have at at the very least had you as a playoff team. Now, I don't think that you can go far when you've got you know Lamar and Mahomes and and Allen. Like when you in Burrow, like when you've got that in in your conference, it's hard to see you going far with just an average quarterback. But to just end the playoff drought, yeah, man, that's all you needed. You know, somebody I don't know if it was you. Somebody mentioned that Bulls are playing, you know, really good, but they are. But I mean, other than Pat Mahomes, good Burrow. I mean, he can he's playing outstanding football. Yeah, I mean they they've won four well, straight games. They they won four straight games. We were we were right in their obituary. Burrow is dealing with the calf injury. Sucks tomorrow. Higgins is out. It looks like Jamar is still dealing with that back injury, so he's questionable. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's the char- the Bengals. I should say the Bengals have, have been impressive the last month of the season. And they're playing um, Baltimore next Thursday, which I can't stand because you never you never get great games, and I can't stand. And one more thing, um, the Giants. They should, they should really. I don't know if they've ever had first pick in the draft ever. But this year, this would be the year. But there's so many good quarterbacks coming out. So even they don't get the top two, you know, Drake and of course Caleb. Which I think he has an outside chance at Heisman. Hey, enjoy the games. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it, man. Uh, appreciate you making the call. I just looked it up. Uh, the Giants have held the first overall pick twice in '51 and '65. Kyle Rote and Tucker Fredrickson. Um, so, yes, twice in the history of this franchise, they did have a uh, number one overall pick. 800-919-3776. Let's go to John in New Jersey. What's up, John? Hey, how are you doing tonight? First time caller. Um, I just wanted to touch base on or emphasize your point on Nathaniel Hackett. So I'm a diehard Broncos fan. I grew up in Colorado. I'm on the East Coast now, and the moment the Jets signed Hackett, I was like, I don't know if I would have done that. He can coach Rodgers, and he had Russell Wilson last year, and Russell Wilson isn't the Russell Wilson from Seattle, but he's eons better than Zach Wilson, and he couldn't do anything with him. The moment Rodgers went down, Hackett went down. 
Yeah, I, but that's why they brought him here. So he, he was brought here to lure Aaron Rodgers, and we saw that last he hooked up with Rodgers, he had won back-to-back MVPs. And then last year, or, or yeah, last year when Rodgers didn't have him, he didn't look like the same quarterback. Right. So they've they've got some chemistry between them, but it seems like um, it seems like he can't coach unless Rodgers is the one on the field. So I kind of feel bad for Zach Wilson because Hackett can't develop a quarterback. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I hear you. I, and you know, I, I don't know why I blinked on this, but obviously with the trade between the, the the Giants and the Chargers, Eli went number one overall. So three times it did happen. Malik's in New York. What's up, Malik? Hey, man. What's up? First time, long time. Appreciate you calling, Uh-oh. man. What's going on? I'm just calling because I wonder what the Jets are going to do next year. Maybe with their first three draft picks, do you think they're going to get a quarterback, maybe some offensive line help, and a wide receiver to go against Garrett Wilson? I appreciate the call. It's hard right now to say what they're going to do just because we don't know how the season's going to end. Like We don't know where they're going to be picking in the draft, but... You know, what jumps out at you, uh, offensive line, clearly a need. They need some more weapons on off uh, on on offense at their skill position play, at their skill position spots. Just because you you put a lot into the baskets of guys who just did not perform well. You've got Lazard for four years, but you need another receiver. You need some offensive line help, and I think that's really the primary uh, concerns for this Jet team. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Hour number four coming up next, right here on ninety eight seven ESPN.